The Truth News Network. Shaking your head yet? When a political agenda comes between friends, even family, not just by design, but by order of sitting government officials, someone is afraid of something, really afraid. What do we do now? We start by examining the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your voice on the battlefield is Dan Newman. What a great question to ask right now. What do we do today? We're going to dig into that. We've got some answers for you. Let me just say this. I know there's a lot of chaos. There's much confusion in the world today. And the United States that we thought was the greatest nation on the globe, there are people now that are justly asking questions about that. Are we the greatest nation on the globe now? We have been, for if not all of my life, the greater part of my life. But it's a logical, good question to ask right now because things are just a-changing. I think you've got to agree with that. I hope you had a good weekend. I hope you started your week just ready to go. A lot of things out there, a lot of confusion, a lot of distractions. And we're going to try to help you get through some of those today. Boy, do we have some to get through today, don't we? Man, have you ever seen so many things happen so quickly on a national and international stage? Used to, we could, uh, we could kind of shut down around noon on Friday and not even think about anything world-wise, politics, until Monday morning when we get ready to go back to work or back to school. That's not the case anymore. Every day, every hour, every minute, something is changing. And we've got to keep up with it. It's very critical that we know what's going on and we can puzzle through and find out the why all these things are going on so that we can make right choices, so we can know what to do. Let me just tell you this. At the top of the show, I want to tell you this. Do not let the circumstances that you see before you, I don't care if they're at home, in a relationship with a spouse or a problem kid, or even at work, or at school, don't let the circumstances that you face every day force you to make quick choices. Now, what you need to understand, you may not think about them in the past. Hopefully, those of you that come here every day, or most days, you get this. We all make choices. Sometimes we don't even think about them. You need to begin to think about your choices. Think through, and don't just do knee-jerk reactions. And that's tough. That's really, really hard. I mean, somebody gets in your face about something, bam, you're right back in theirs. We need to rethink that. We need to begin to think that before we react. So many things happen in our lives based upon assumptions. Think about that for a second. Somebody says something to you. Maybe it's your spouse Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's somebody you work for. Maybe it's somebody you work with. And the instant they say it, you assume 
what the driving force was for them to say that. And often we make, maybe not outward responses, maybe it's in our minds, it's in our hearts, we make immediate decisions in response to what is said. And often our responses are based on an assumption what they really meant when they said it. Our assumption is wrong. And so we make an assumption based upon an assumption of what they said. It doesn't take long before we get in this gar hole where there are all kinds of other issues that we created. And many of those aren't real. They're fake. They're lies. Do you know how that can just build up? build up, build up, get wider, get deeper, get angrier. And then all of a sudden what happens? Bam! The dam breaks and we just go all over the place. Listen, folks, none of us are exempt from worry and concern and anger and fear. None of us are exempt from that. But what we must do is stand up in the face of all of this and say, stop it. Don't do that. So who am I telling you to speak to? Speak to yourself and say those things. You don't have to get fearful. You don't have to get angry. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. What does that mean? It's okay to get angry. Jesus got angry. You remember he was in the temple and the money changers were there and it just swelled up in his mind and he just went bonkers. And they had their tables with their money out there and they were exchanging with people and screwing the people they were exchanging with. And he just went crazy and turned over their tables and all their money went rolling across the temple floor. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the anger drive you to make a choice about something that you're going to regret later. It's easy to say, isn't it? And it's hard to do. Well, let's look at the global stage today. Well, let's don't do global. Let's just look at the United States stage today. It's easy to get fearful now. Look what they did over the weekend. Now, I want to point something out very important to all of you about that Senate-passed $740 billion Inflation Reduction Act that they passed after their Votorama. Now, it's not passed yet. There's another house across the hallway on the Capitol that it's got to go to, and they have to pass it. Now, we're talking about the U.S. House of Representatives, and I think everybody understands They'll probably rubber stamp this bill and it'll go to the president's desk and he'll sign it into law. So let's take a peekaboo at this whole process, what happened, and even more importantly, what's in this thing. Joe Joe Manchin is the one that actually made this thing go. When he announced that he was going to support it, everybody else just gave in and bam, here we go. So Manchin and Schumer, they got their heads together. And this thing was passed along party lines. It was a 50-50 vote in the chamber. And of course, then 
the vice president, Kamala Harris, cast the upper boat to break the tie. What's in it? Well, here's a a top-line breakdown. $370 billion in green energy giveaways and tax credits. About $80 billion for the IRS and 81,000 new IRS, and they say these are going to be those that do audits, auditors. Also included a drug price setting mechanism for Medicare. It also establishes a 15% tax on corporations with market caps higher than a billion bucks. So, even though these Democrats, Democrats, have repeatedly argued that the bill's going to reduce inflation, it ain't going to happen, folks. It won't happen. We could play soundbite after soundbite from this president, the previous president, and one before that and one before that. They've all said, you do not raise taxes during inflation. Every economist that's got half a brain will tell you when you're upside down in your economy, the worst thing that you can do as a government is spend more money. The University of Pennsylvania's Penn Wharton budget model has zero confidence that this legislation will have any impact, any way to reduce it. In addition, the bill's going to likely raise taxes for Americans, not as they promised. Nobody that makes $400,000 or less will see any tax increases. Now they're being told, well, it's going to impact everybody, everybody in some way, even low-class income Americans. The Inflation Reduction Act. The fact that they named this thing that just flies in my face. It's a slap in the face. It's basically saying, you just sit down, shut up, and listen to what we say because you don't know what you're talking about. If we say it reduces inflation, that's what it's going to do. They tell us it's going to pay down the federal deficit by more than $300 billion. Everybody in the room that believes that, everybody, all of you, that are listening right now. If you believe this Inflation Reduction Act is going to reduce the federal deficit by more than $300 billion, raise your hand. No hands raised. What about $200 billion reduction in the deficit? Raise your hand. Nobody in the room. What about $100 billion? No hands. In other words, you Americans... You're smarter than those people in the Senate. 50 guys and girls in the Senate, plus Kamala Harris, that raised their hand and said, we believe it's going to reduce the deficit. And so in this Votorama, that's, let me tell you why it was a Votorama. It, when it's anything goes to the Senate and it's being considered in the reconciliation package, that's the mechanism that the Senate and their rules passed a long time ago that says you can get around that 60-vote necessary minimum to bring something to the floor 
if you use the reconciliation process, which means then all it takes is 50 plus one to get any piece to go to the floor to be discussed and, of course, then voted on. So this one was considered in the Budget Reconciliation Act. But there's a provision in that that means all of the segments of any bill have to come to the floor individually and they can be discussed, they can be even amendments proposed. And then each one is voted on separately. That's what they did all weekend long. They voted down 35 amendments, but they passed two amendments. 48 Democrats and Independent Angus King of Maine agreed that they would oppose all amendments that were offered during Voterama to offer the legislation its best chance of getting through. Bernie Sanders, he objected to that agreement, and he offered amendments that would restructure the child tax credit, but his proposal failed pretty soundly, 97 to 1. They're great amendments. I'm very happy. And I think it says something that every Democrat and every Republican voted against them. It says, I'm doing something right. Bernie complained, and he went to Politico to do it. I'm fighting for you. I think that should be the message, not to come up with a convoluted reason that you can't vote for. So if you remember, not long ago, weeks ago, 10 days ago, President Biden, Joe Manchin, were at odds with each other. Manchin said, I'm not going to vote on anything that will increase inflation. Joe Biden and Manchin and Chuck Schumer put this deal together. Now, what is the reality of $740 billion in spending by our government? Well, the big reality is, of course, that uh, uh, we don't have $740 billion. We don't have $100 billion. We don't have $50 billion. Every dime of this has got to be borrowed. And when you borrow money, you don't have. When you do it on your credit card, you don't have the cash in the bank. You got to buy something. Well, you got to pay for it with your credit card. What's your standard going credit card interest rate on unpaid balances? Most of the cards today are at 20% or around that. So you buy something for a thousand bucks and you want to pay it back. Well, when you pay it back on your credit card, you're not spending a thousand bucks. You're spending a thousand plus, probably a hundred dollars, maybe more than that in interest. It's no different for the federal government. But just for a moment, let's back away. Let's go back up to the 30,000 foot level and look at this package. $740 billion. Let me give you an example that you can probably relate to about how crazy $740 billion anything is. What was going on in the world 740 billion weeks ago? We don't have any idea. There was nobody alive then. What about 740 billion days ago? Same thing. 
We don't have any idea. Let's just even go all the way down to the minimum. What was going, how long ago was 740 billion seconds ago? 740 billion seconds ago. You know how many years ago that was? You're not going to believe this. 740 billion seconds ago was 11,938 years ago. And your United States Senate wants us to spend that much money, $740 billion, most of which is giveaways. Giveaways, 11,938 years ago. So the House is going to take up the legislation. It's not official yet. Just the Senate passed it. It's got to go across the hall. The U.S. House of Representatives will take it up. They're not in session right now. They're not going to be there until Friday. So all this week, we're going to hear and watch all of these big Democrat politicians pontificate. They're going to be all over the news touting this bill, trying to just basically pressure the House of Representatives to cave and just pass it on a vote, on a voice vote. Majority Leader Steny Harrier announced that on the 12th of this month, so today's the 8th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, so this Friday, they're going to pick it up, and we're just going to watch and see what happens. So let me ask you this. Has anybody talked to you about the major impacts and effects this thing is going to have on you? Well, when we see things like this going on in our government here in Louisiana, What do we do? We always turn to our royal statesman, our Mark Twain of the 21st century, and you know who we referenced that to be, Louisiana U.S. Senator John Kennedy. He voted no. In fact, every Republican voted no on this spending bill. And over the weekend, Senator Kennedy kind of did one of his uh, Mark Twain-isms and laid it out for you and me. Senator Manchin's and Senator Schumer's massive tax and spending bill has uh, unfortunately, in my judgment, now passed. Because of inflation, uh, Louisianians are really getting good at barely getting by, and that's true for most Americans too. Um, As a result of Senator Manchin's bill, and I hope I'm wrong in this, but I predict that uh, Joe-flation, as some people call it, uh, will now refer to Joe Manchin, not President Biden. Um, For example, Senator Manchin's bill raises taxes on oil and gas. Now when you tax something, you get less of it, which causes prices to rise. Senator Manchin's message seems to be since you can't afford gas because of my bill, go buy a $75,000 electric vehicle. That's not going to work in Louisiana. That's not going to work across America. Number two, according to the uh, nonpartisan Joint Tax Committee, which doesn't take sides, it's not Republican or Democrat, 
the burden of Senator Manchin's bill will fall on everyone, everyone and their taxes, not just people making more than $400,000 a year, everyone. So most Americans, if not all Americans, are now going to have even less money to spend as prices continue to rise. Point three, Senator Manchin's bill raises taxes on businesses, especially manufacturers. Um, most people understand this. Corporations don't pay taxes. People do. And those taxes, when they're increased, are passed on in higher prices, lower wages, uh, lower stock prices, and uh, lower 401k balances. It takes a special kind of stupid, in my judgment, to raise taxes during both a recession and inflation. That's called stagflation, which is what we have right now as a result of President Biden's policies. Look, I, I'm not saying uh, that Senator Manchin intentionally wants to hurt people. I'm not saying that he intentionally wants to have even more people living in a tent behind Whataburger. But that's going to be the result of this bill. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I think I'm right. This bill is tier one moronic. Tier one moronic. What a great way to describe this thing. So how is this going to impact our economy? How specifically? Well, let me just give you a few thoughts about it. Remember back on Friday, oh, that seems so long ago, it was announced that 528,000 jobs showed up during last month. Think about that. With everything you know, watching around you, 528,000 jobs. Nobody was expecting it. So despite the victory laps taken by some of the big-time economists like Larry Summers, Jason Furman, and others, who blame inflation on the stimulus of the relief spending of 2020 and 2021, most of the economy's short-term price pressures don't reflect excess demand, which everybody thought that was what was driving inflation up. Other large economies with no comparable stimulus programs are experiencing comparable rates of inflation. Now, that's what the far left leftist, pol political economists are telling us. Let's look at some of the facts. Labor today has far less bargaining power than in the stagflationary 1970s. So as folks at the Economic Policy Institute say, anytime wages lack far behind inflation, they can't be driving it. Hmm, so what's going on? What's driving all this? The supply chain crisis. And that means all of those things that we're having a problem getting. Baby food. There's a bunch of other stuff. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the reasons why oil prices keep going up, and we've got a temporary little, I guess it stopped for a second, came down a little bit, but it's still way, way, way more than it was when Joe Biden took office. Those things were exacerbated by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It's all compounded by the ability of large American companies 
to extract price hikes that are not justified by their own increased costs. The thing that makes most Americans very, very mad, we hear about this oil thing. Oh, we were oil independent when Joe Biden became president and the price of gas at the pump because we had all we could use domestically. We didn't have to go beg anybody to give it to us. It kept the prices really, really low. Well, we hear about these oil companies having record profits right now. That bugs a lot of us, right? It does. Makes us feel like they're gouging us. So really what's going on is everything around that. It's making it difficult for these large companies to extract price hikes that are not justified by their own increased cost. Now, what does that mean? Companies are out there to make money. Companies are not owned by like one person in in most cases. It's a bunch of stock owners out there. And who are those stock owners? The American people in large part. No, people say, oh, it's no, those big investment banks, Wall Street. They're the ones that own it. They don't own it for themselves. They have clients that they buy all of these things for. All of this problem getting this balanced out, the problems are intensified by long-term policy failures by this administration. They include our country's failure to build adequate affordable housing, contain those price-gouging big drug companies, as well as its half-century freeze on antitrust enforcement. So talking about all that, the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to be a step in the right direction. I, I can only see a couple of good things that may come from it, if it works out. One of the big deal in Medicare being able to cap the drug costs to Medicare recipients, which would reduce some health care costs. Cut energy costs to consumers through tax credits. I don't know about that one. Investing in renewable energy for the long term, that is a hoax. We are not going to make any meaningful changes in our energy issues through green energy. It can't be implemented anytime soon. We've given you expert after expert after expert that shows and tells us that. And then when you just back up where we are today, the 30,000 foot level, what is the goal and the objective for our pollution, our fossil fuel reductions through the rest of this century? What will the sycophants that are pushing this, what will they say makes it a success? What is the goal that they have with all of these hundreds of trillions of dollars we're going to have to spend between now and then to get any meaningful reduction? What do they say today is going to be successful? Reducing the average temperature of the earth by one and a half degrees. Does that make you want to puke? 
I got to be honest with you. In my personal opinion, the cost does not justify a one and a half degree reduction in the world's temperature for everything that we're going through. So now, especially this week before the House gets back and takes this bill up to consider, all of the sycophants, the hard leftists are out there stumping. Joe Biden, he continues to distort the alleged perks of supposed to be included in this bill. In his latest stretch of the truth, and he made it Friday on Twitter, somebody tweeted for him, you can bet that, he claimed that you and me, all American people, are going to see our energy bills drop by the hundreds thanks to, to, to this bill. Here's what he said. When we pass the Inflation Reduction Act, working families are going to get rebates to buy efficient appliances, weatherize their homes. Folks will have tax credit for efficient heating and cooling and rooftop solar energy. Families will see their energy bills drop by the hundreds, he wrote. First of all, I can promise you this. I doubt that you or I are going to have rooftop solar energy this year that the government pays for. It ain't going to happen. The president's claim, well, it's rooted in his assumption, I guess, that every American can afford to go green. These actions that the Senate took, if it comes into law, our costs for everything across the board are going to go up immediately. So how could we afford to go green? And what does going green mean now? We told you this before. Real scientists that know fossil fuel energy compared to this green energy to do even get started doing what they say it's going to take. And forget about wind power. It's so unreliable, it can't be relied on for consistent energy production. Let's talk about solar energy because the sun shines somewhere every day. To even get started on this green new energy stuff, for the objectives that are included in this Inflation Reduction Act, half of the United States of America, every square inch of America, west of the Mississippi River, would have to be covered with the solar energy panel. Do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> no way. No way. Most Americans don't have a dime dedicated toward purchasing green energy products. There is no plan to do this. This is the definition of stupid. We're not talking about just tweaking something. We're talking about totally breaking and destroying the American energy process, the system that took several hundred years to develop, to put all this together. And they expect in six months, they think all of this green energy stuff, it's going to begin to happen and make life better for all Americans in six months this year. From here to the first part of next year, 
Oh, you're, everybody's going to be doing much better, going to feel good about themselves. You're going to see your energy costs go way down, way down. This is stupid, folks. It cannot be done. And it's heresy for these crazy people that are supposed to know this stuff are trying to cram it down your throats. It will not be done. And why won't it be done, Dan? (laughs) Because it can't be done. It isn't going to happen. Meanwhile, what are you doing? Well, you and I are taking on the payback of $740 billion. In perspective, that number compared to seconds, 750 740 billion seconds is 11,938 years ago. If that doesn't make you sick, nothing will. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month, the one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week, you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday, you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday, you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. There's enough negative news. Too bad it's fake news. Looking on the brighter side, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And your ray of sunshine, Dan Newman. I threw that in to kind of give you a, you know, a pickup. A ray of sunshine. <laughs> oh my gosh. I watched, I followed this mess all weekend long, and, and I, I wish I hadn't. I didn't watch much of the... Um, Votorama because most of it was just staged politicization and nothing else. I mean, that's what you would expect in this kind of thing. Nobody could talk about substance. Nobody talked about it. Well, they are, there were a few Republicans that got up and bashed it pretty much, and they did a good job. 
those that got up, but they were speaking to people opposite of them in the chamber that nothing was going to change their mind. They couldn't change one Democrat's mind. And of course, Democrats couldn't change one Republican's minds. This is the bad thing about having one party in total control of every part of the process because Democrats knew all they got to do is just hang on because the end of this debate is going to happen and they'll just get their way every time if they do that. That is the spooky part about having the far left controlling the legislative process. Half of the people's opinions in America don't matter in that. There's no bipartisanship in this. Joe Biden promised he was not going to be the president for Democrats. He said, I'm going to be the president of all Americans. I'm going to pull everybody together. Yeah, right. This is the same thing Barack Obama did. He promised bipartisanship when he came in. And immediately when he got there, he basically took the position that, hey, these people elected me to be president, so I'm going to shove down Americans' throats everything that those people told me was okay for me to shove down people's throats. It didn't take long before the American people said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not a one-party government. This is a two-party government representative of all Americans. Everybody's got a piece to deal with in all of this stuff, which is the truthful way to look at legislation. All this Votorama stuff that happened this weekend, you know what came to my mind? The stuff that Thomas Jefferson said about political parties. That's who controls this Democrat Party. It's not about the substance of most pieces of legislation. It's about two things for Democrats. Number one, money. Money, 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 money. And number two, whatever their political ideology sections of what legislation they throw out there. Those are the two most important things. The American people's consideration and thoughts on all this stuff, eh, doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. And when they pass this stuff like this, Who pays for it? Who lives through it? Who's going to suffer through it? The American people. We've got a Brit that came over here legally. And he looks at things, and he's got a little different perspective than most of us. Yeah, he lives here. He lives in the middle of all of the same issues that you and I live in. Same problems. Financial, social. He's right there with us. But he's got a little bit different perspective because he can relate everything happening to him here and watching what's happening and how Americans are reacting to it. He can look back over his shoulder and think, you know what? In the UK, it was a little different or it was very similar. But he's got the ability to have a perspective that's a little more informed than do you and I. It's coming at the president from all sides. He's got to deal with Russia on Brittany Griner, their hostage. The Chinese are rattling their rockets over Taiwan. Ukraine needs more support. And 
The president is way down in the polls. He's in a hole, and in large part, he dug that hole himself. And now, along comes this gigantic tax and spend package, which the Biden team desperately hopes will rescue this presidency. Dream on. The Inflation Reduction Act is the last gasp of the old-line Democrat Party. It is a misreading of the current political scene. It does not address the chaos at the border. Not at all. It does not address crime. At all. Does anyone believe it will cut inflation? 230 economists, professors and former Fed officials say it will make inflation worse. Does anyone believe it will cut the deficit? Oh, please. And the IRS? They're going to hire 87,000 new agents who they say will go after rich tax cheats. That's nonsense. They're going after small business and the middle class. There's nothing new here. It's same old, same old at a time when voters have new concerns that will not be solved with tax and spend. That's Stu Varney of Fox News Business. He hits the nail on the head with all of that. Most Americans can look at what was passed and we can see what was there. It doesn't take a bunch of economists. Americans now know, we've learned through the years, when you spend more than you have, it's going to cause inflation. It makes the price of everything go up. And it's just a matter of fact. Yet Democrats, even though they know it and they understand it, I think what's happening is they know they're fixing to get just totally decimated in the midterms. And so what are they trying to do? They're trying to get as much of their giveaways, as much of the political payback things that they need to do before they lose their power. They got to get all that done and they're pushing to get it done. They saw the opening here to be able to do it. They just went for it. I really believe that. And I think more and more Americans have picked up on it and understand it. And it's not just Americans. Last week, Joe Biden went all out to play down the Commerce Department's report that our economy had contracted for a second consecutive quarter, and that's the normal, age-old definition of recession. Biden talked about very low unemployment rates, and he was doing that to defend the way he manages our economic affairs. The unemployment rate in June, 3.6%. That doesn't sound like a recession to me, he said. Most Americans, a broad range of Americans, most Americans, you got that? Most Americans disagree. Polling shows that more than 60% of both men and women, they say we're already in a recession. Whites with college degrees and without degrees say we're in a recession. And listen to this. This is what... Joe Biden is really being troubled about. A majority of Hispanic Americans say we're in a recession. The share of black Americans who say we're in a recession shot up from 44% last month. 53% of black Americans today say we're in a recession. The share of suburban Americans that say we're in a recession, it jumped from 55 to 63% in just 30 days. The share of rural Americans jumped from 60 to 66% in 30 days. Urban dwellers, people who live downtown, became slightly less convinced we're in a recession. The share saying we are dipping from 57 to 55%. 
And if you start breaking all this down in people's opinions by their income levels, it makes almost no difference. 61% of Americans that earn less than 50 grand say we're in a recession. 63% earning over 100 grand agree. 65% in between the upper and lower thirds say we're in a recession. A majority of every age cohort in the poll agree we're in a recession. And the numbers range from 51% of 18 to 29-year-olds to 63% of 30 to 44 years old, 64% of 45 to 64-year-olds, and 66%, two-thirds, for those 65 and older. 29% of 18 to 29-year-olds say they're not sure if we are. And that's the highest among any age group. So what's driving all of this? You know what it is. Partisanship. Democrat partisanship is still dividing the country. 82% of Republicans say we're in a recession. That's up from 75% 30 days ago. 61% of independents do also, up from 57%. Even 44% of Democrats say we're in a recession. And this government, this president, either doesn't have a clue or doesn't care. It's got to be one of those. It's got to be one of those. Two-thirds of Americans say our economy is getting worse. Now, who thought it could be worse then? Remember when we had all of the ports shut down? Nothing was coming into the nation. We couldn't get anything. When I say anything, I mean people were getting scared because on the grocery shelves, we were finding vast empty uh, spots. And it wasn't just baby food, folks. It was a bunch of a little bit of everything. And that was temporary, thank God. But looking ahead, looking at what Bidenism is doing and what it's going to do over the next three to six months, I promise you it's going to get worse. It will get worse. And I really mean that. So let's get away from all of this talk about this bill that's pending. Remember, again, it's not passed into law. In fact, nothing ever gets passed into law. It gets passed, a bill will get passed by the Senate, a version usually negotiated not exactly to look like the, the Senate version. With the House, they'll come up with something pretty close together. They'll all agree to it. Then it'll go to the president to be signed into law. Some version of this thing will end up at the president's desk. So let's just put that to the side for a little bit. Let's just look on. Let's talk about how our government spends money and is very wise and how businesses in the nation are very evil. Small businesses, little businesses, seeking to increase their overseas sales are supposed to be the primary beneficiaries of loan guarantees by what's called the U.S. Export-Import Bank. Although a new look-see by a non-profit government watchdog found out that most of the funds from this, now this is your tax dollars, the U.S. Export-Import Bank, we fund it. Most of those funds 
are not going to small businesses, but to corporate giants. And by the way, not just U.S. corporate giants, some corrupt overseas, foreign big companies. Small businesses, supposedly the intended beneficiary of the Export-Import Bank, received only $55 billion of the over $234 billion in total assistance since 2007. That's only 23% of the money that comes out of that bank's funding, the Export-Import Bank. Where's the rest of it going? By filing more than 40,000 Federal Freedom of Information Act requests Posting the checkbooks of 49 state governments, OTB, the Open the Books, which is a Chicago-based nonprofit that monitors government spending, they found out more than $6 trillion in public spending has come through the U.S. Export Bank. Their goal is to post every dime that's been spent, and they want to do it going forward in real time. So who's getting this money? The biggest beneficiary by far is Boeing Corporation, the largest U.S. aircraft manufacturer and one of the world's most successful designers and builders of commercial airliners. Currently, it's based in Chicago. They're planning a move to Arlington, Virginia in the very near future. The Export-Import Bank has been nicknamed by everybody that understands that part of our economy, and they call it Boeing's Bank. It's easy to see why. From 2007 to 2021, they received 33% of all of the Export-Import Bank's assistance. How much is that? $66.5 billion. The second largest vendor got over... Just barely $5 billion. Now, that's not a little bit, but when you compare that to the $66 billion that Boeing gets, it's a big difference. Boeing's subsidiary, Boeing Satellite Systems International, got another $1.4 billion in help. Major international airline companies like Ryanair, Emirates Airlines, Air Canada have all received assistance for Boeing purchases. Boeing employs a small army of 18 full-time lobbyists. And what do they do? They advocate in Congress for the Export-Import Bank. They want Congress to commit more money. And that way, who gets the big majority of it? Boeing. The second largest beneficiary of the money is Reston, R-E-S-T-O-N. Reston, Virginia-based Bechtel Corporation, which ranked behind Boeing despite getting assistance for only seven contracts since 2007. General Electric Company and its subsidiaries through exports of industrial engines and other types of machinery in more than 265 transactions, they were number three on the list of these vendors. GE, got $4.7 billion in assistance between General Electric and General Electric Energy Parts. The mandate of XM, this bank, is filling the gaps 
to provide some liquidity facilitating the wheels of commerce. That's supposed to be what it does. What does it do? It's a slush fund for these big companies to get taxpayer money to pay for their operations. And if you're a regular here in the past, you've heard us reveal there is so much graft and corruption in Boeing Corporation, it's unconscionable that they're even getting a dime. And I know they employ thousands of American citizens, and if something happened there, there'd be a bunch of people on the street. But come on now. If they're a big company and they're so good and so necessary, they're making a buttload full of profits. Novel idea. Why don't you just take some of your profits and pay back that import-export bank money instead of just sitting on it and saying, thank you, American taxpayer. I haven't even gotten a thank you. As a matter of fact, whenever you and I fly now on a commercial airline domestically, most of the time, we're flying on a Boeing jet. And we're paying out the wazoo to do it, right? Very seldom when the government is involved in anything do the government's owners ever receive any significant consideration when these deals are all cut. It's always about two things and two things only. Power and money. Power and money. We're going to segue away from that in just a minute. We've got a report coming up, and you may heard a little bit about it over the weekend, but this one's going to blow your mind. <laughs> I'm not even going to give you a tease and tell you what it is. We're going to do that next at TNN Live. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have CarShield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. CarShield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iHeart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iHeart. Deductible may apply. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink. Price participation may vary. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. 
all delicious, all made with whole fruit, sun-made snacks. It's one of my favorite authors, writers of music, singers of music ever. It's from 1988, oh my gosh, Bill Withers, lovely day. Let's just listen. What in the world happened here? I don't even know. It went from uh, Bill Withers' lovely day to Chicago's beginnings. I apologize. We don't make mistakes like that here at TNN Live. Yes, we do. (laughs) But I don't want to take responsibility. That's another good song, Beginnings. Hey, listen, what I told you I was going to tell you about, this blows my mind. I know you probably know that um, the president, he announced another big disease national emergency last week at the end of the week. And it it's a big deal to a lot of people. And I want to be very sensitive about how I talk about this. I don't want to put anybody down. But let me just tell you going into this before I even tell you what it was. President Biden did this totally for political correctness. Now, wait a minute. When you talk about a disease and you declare that dealing with it is a national emergency, everybody thinks COVID-19 and what it did to us. I mean, it locked us down. We had hundreds of, we had millions of people that were impacted with it. Thousands died. It was just a horrible situation. And by the way, don't forget, it's not over yet. There are still places in the country, pockets where hospitalizations have spiked again with COVID infections. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about monkeypox. Monkeypox. Hmm. Any of your neighbors impacted so far by monkeypox? None of mine. I don't know a single person that's got monkeypox. That doesn't mean it's not out there. So where is monkeypox coming from and how do we get monkeypox? And what's the devastating impact on Americans that our president would declare a national emergency over monkeypox? Well, let me back into this explanation. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, those medical experts that just blow our nation apart whenever they get involved in anything. Friday, they updated their monkeypox advice and they worded this very carefully. Their advice suggests that people most at risk, namely men who have sex with other men, that You should take a temporary break from those behaviors to help contain the outbreak of monkeypox. That that, that was very carefully crafted, wasn't it? Don't want to infuriate or make anybody feel bad about anything. Among the updates are suggestions that people take a temporary break from sexual activity until considered vaccinated. Uh, 
limit their number of sexual partners, avoid spaces for anonymous sex with multiple partners, use condoms, wear gloves during particular sexual activities. Five suggestions to reduce the chance of spreading monkeypox were added to the seven that appeared on the webpage when it was updated back in July the 12th. In that previous update, when the CDC put it out, they offered suggestions for sexual activities for people who have or think they have monkeypox and decide to have sex. Now, I'm going to continue with this because when we get through it, I'm going to point back and and, uh, we're going to explain and understand something about this together. I'm going to continue with this. Friday's updates contain stronger messaging with the CDC now saying the best way to protect yourself and others is to avoid sex of any kind while you are sick. People should especially avoid touching any rash. And of course, these Friday updates came after a day, one day before the Biden administration declared a public health emergency for monkeypox, and they're doing it to unlock funding and give more powers to the government to deal with the virus. Some states, including New York, California, Indiana, have declared their own public health emergencies for similar reasons. So where does this advice appear? If you want to find it, it's on the CDC's Safer Sex Social Gatherings and Monkeypox webpage, which contains detailed and specific information tailored to lowering the risk of transmission during particular sexual activities. Now, I'm, I'm not going to tiptoe around this issue any longer. I'm just going to tell you this. Monkeypox, the federal government called it a national emergency. Now, you would think there would be tens of thousands of Americans have died from it, with hundreds of thousands of other Americans infected with it, and it's a matter of time before a bunch of those people die. So what are the stats? 6,000 Americans have been reported to have it. No hospitalizations and zero deaths but it's a national medical emergency. Why is that? For one reason and one reason only. To be politically correct, this administration doesn't want to take a chance of any gay American pointing their finger at D.C. and saying, a homophobic president refuses to look at what this segment of the society is experiencing and make it important to the world to understand. Gay people have and are spreading monkeypox through gay sex. The White House, we're told, has identified a vital need for education about monkeypox and outreach to the LGBT community, which is most effective by the outgrade. Why? Well, we got to combat the virus. Karine Jean-Pierre, White House brain surgeon, she said Monday there is a need to make sure the LGBT community and public health officials know exactly what to look for and what the treatment is. The CDC's updated suggestions come three days after Joe 
picked Dr. Dimitri Dasakalakis. De- That's his name, Dasakalakis, who, by the way, runs the CDC's HIV Prevention Division. He was named as one of two to lead the nation's response to the monkeypox outbreak. Daskalakis, who's going to be deputy to FEMA's Robert Fenton, has expertise with issues that impact the LGBT community, making him an appropriate pick, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci, yada, 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 yada. Let me just tell you this. How do you get monkeypox? You have sex with somebody that has monkeypox. That's the end of it. Most of the monkeypox people that are infected, almost all of them, in fact, are gay people that are getting it and transmitting it through gay sex. Now, what does all this tell you? It tells you if you have gay sex, there's a good chance you're going to get monkeypox. 6,000 Americans have been identified to have monkeypox. Where are you going with this, Dan? The obvious question for me, and I'm not laughing, I'm not homophobic, I'm not. Where did this disease originate? Not in a lab in Wuhan, China. Not in a lab at one of these major United States universities that get billions of dollars of laboratory testing funds from China. No, no, no. Somebody somewhere on earth had to have sex with a monkey that had monkeypox to get it transmitted to them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm not laughing at people. I am laughing at this entire situation and what it's become and why it's become for political perspective and partisanship to make a political party sound like they really care. And I'm not denigrating or downgrading the importance of monkeypox and any other disease. But I'm saying, come on now. Why get the entire nation looking at and listening to this and thinking about it when the entire nation is not going to get infected with monkeypox? One section of the society will. And then the craziness and the stupidity of this even gets worse. Listen to this. Last week, Twitter suspended Professor Shmuel Shapira for one tweet in which this premier scientist and retired Israeli colonel suggested that monkeypox is a side effect of the COVID-19 injections. Professor Shmuel Shapira, he's an MD, served as the Director General of the Israel Institute for Biological Research until last year. He's a founder and the head of the Department of Military Medicine of the Hebrew University Faculty of Medicine and IDF Medical Corps. He's a senior research fellow at the International Institute for Counterterrorism at Reichman University in Israel. 
He used to serve as director of the Hebrew University Hadassah School of Public Health and deputy director general of the Hadassah Medical Organization. In other words, he knows what the heck he's talking about. He's published over 110 peer-reviewed articles. West Point describes him as a, quote, authority on terror, trauma, emergency medicine, and military medicine, and instructs medical students, physicians, EMS, medical leaders, and rescue teams on terror medicine, management of mass casualties events, military medicine, advanced trauma life support, and risk management. I mean, this guy knows what the heck he's talking about. And so, in the context of who he is, Dr. Shapira, last week, Twitter suspended him from the platform for suggesting that monkeypox is in part caused by COVID-19 injections, which damaged the immune system. Here's what he wrote. Monkeypox cases were rare for years. During the last years, a single case was documented in Israel, one case. It is well established that mRNA vaccines affect the natural immune system. A monkeypox outbreak following massive COVID vaccination is not a coincidence. He was forced to delete that quote-unquote offending tweet before Twitter would reinstate his account. I wanted, they wanted, Twitter wanted me to remove the Twitter connecting MP2C, monkeypox 2C. Who would C be? Oh, to coronavirus vaccines. Each day I understand better where we live and in which year, he tweeted last Thursday. Meaning, Twitter wanted me to remove the tweet connecting monkeypox to COVID. Now, I'm going to stop. This is the end of this. We're not going to talk about it anymore. But let me just put this in context. So here's a guy that knows way, 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 way more than all of the Twitter fact checkers. You put them all together in one room. Dr. Shapira knows more about medicine and everything to do with medicine than all those Twitter heads combined. He didn't say monkeypox comes from coronavirus vaccines. He tweeted that there, sh- there just might be a tie between for one reason, for one reason only. COVID-19 vaccinations have proven to reduce the immunosuppression in most Americans' bodies, which means they're more susceptible to other diseases than they were before they took the COVID-19 vaccine. That is a medical fact. But here we have Twitter, Twitter, and they're controlling the messaging about medicine. This, my folks, is the world in which we find ourselves living. And we changed our society. We changed our thinking over 6,000 infections of one disease. What, What is the percentage of that? Hold on. Let me do it. We got 330 million Americans. So let's do this. Let's take 6,000 infections and divide that by 330 million. 
Okay, here we go. That's 0.00018% of the American population have monkeypox. Everybody deserves attention. Everybody deserves care. Our government works for each of those people just like it works, supposedly works for all of us. That's the way it's supposed to go, but it doesn't always go that way, does it? Wow. Wow, we're 45 minutes through this show today. We've got a lot yet we haven't talked about. Before we get to some of the other things, we're going to go to the southern border. Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff. What's going on with Adam Schiff? Let me tell you what's going on with Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is scared shiftless every day now. Why is that? Don't you think he's a little bit scared of all that he has done being a leader in the House of Representatives, serves on the most prestigious count, uh, committees in the House of Representatives. He has been caught in lie after lie after lie, releasing information that's classified, yada, yada, yada. Don't you think he's going to be in the bullseye of Republicans if and when Republicans take over the majority in the House? Now remember, they won't be sworn in and Congress won't take over whoever, whichever party, wins control of the uh, of the House of Representatives until January of next year. But there are a lot of preparations already underway, and Republicans are putting news out into the marketplace of ideas to get every American to be considering those now, and even some of the people that are probably going to be in the bullseye of some of the Republicans' House of Representatives going after the wrongdoers in this administration. Schiff, who spent two years knowingly and unlawfully lying and leaking, we don't have evidence of that though, should be forced to resign from Congress. Since both past and present are incompatible with your duty as chairman of this committee, which alone in the House of Representatives has the obligation and authority to provide effective oversight of the U.S. intelligence community. As such, we have no faith in your ability to discharge your duties in a manner consistent with your constitutional responsibility and urge your immediate resignation as chairman of the committee. Mr. Chairman, this letter is signed by all nine members of the uh, Republican side of the House, but the, of the committee, and I ask unanimous consent to be entered into the record of today's hearing. I yield back. Without objection, um, I'm going to turn to our witnesses who are the subject of the hearing today, but before I do, uh, and as, it, as you have chosen, uh, instead of addressing the hearing to simply attack me, uh, consistent with the president's attacks, uh, I do want to respond in this way. He understands uh, the rule of law. He understands not just what it takes to uh, adhere to the rule of law, but also what undergirds our democracy. He's very concerned, as you can tell by that, that cataloging of troubling behavior. Of he, the problems that he himself caused the country by this reckless and partisan witch hunt that he went on. Yeah, I mean, he said more than circumstantial evidence, uh, more proof that there was collusion between President Trump and Russia, and it was just all false. And frankly, now we know it was. Now that we've, we've seen information, now that the Durham report has indicted Mr. Zussman and Mr. Danchenko, uh, and even the Washington Post has had to apologize and retract some of the things they wrote back then based on things Mr. Schiff was saying. And I think this is important for members of Congress to understand. This wasn't just any member of Congress making that statement. This wasn't just any chairman making that statement. This was the chairman of the Intel Committee. 
the committee that gets additional information than the rest of us get, going on television and saying something that was not true. That's the concern. And that is why so many Americans are upset with what, what took place for three years, all based on baloney. Complete, so much baloney that the Washington Post had to walk it back. So th this is what's critical. And, you know, look, but to Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Cole's point, we're happy to work with the inspector. We like the inspector generals. Inspector General Horowitz, his reports on what the FISA court's been doing, those have been tremendous. So we want to work with them. We want to get information. But it would have been nice if they would have worked with us and we could have put something together. But no, couldn't do it that way. We're going to just pile in one bill. We're going to bring it in front of the Rules Committee, take it to the floor, and pass it. So speaking of that, Speaker Pelosi's select committee on January 6th is unlike any other committee in American history. In fact, it is the most political and least legitimate committee in American history. It has used congressional subpoenas to attack Republicans, violate due process, and infringe on the political speech of private citizens. It has actually been caught altering evidence, including the text messages of our ranking member Jim Jordan. It has permanently damaged the House and divided this country. And let's be honest, it is a smokescreen for Democrats to push their radical agenda. And then she appointed Congressman Schiff. Just saying that name should be enough. But we watched what Schiff has done to our country. The years of lying about the Russian hoax. The changing of evidence we found as he went and the denying of the Hunter Biden laptop. You know, our future rests on the ability of Americans to trust our political system. Chairman has gaveled out all of my colleagues with their unanimous consent. I am going to read for the record many of the chairman's comments uh, in September of the importance of hearing from the whistleblower. Again, Ambassador, thank you for your patience, thank you for your service, but since we haven't been able to conduct ourselves in normal procedures, I'm just going to use the five minutes for this. September 29th, in the Wall Street Journal, Quote, the whistleblower at the center of the impeachment investigation of President Trump will testify in the House very soon. This is a quote by the chairman. USA Today, September 29th. Talking with ABC News this week, Schiff, the Democrat who chairs the House Intelligence Committee, said the whistleblower would testify very soon. And the only thing standing in the way was getting security clearances for the attorneys representing the whistleblower so they could attend the testimony. From Vox, September 29th. Rep. Adam Schiff said Sunday the whistleblower at the center of a growing scandal surrounding President Donald Trump will testify before the House Intelligence Committee very soon. On CNN, September 29th, Schiff said Sunday on ABC as well as NBC's Meet the Press that he expects the whistleblower to testify very soon. The Washington Post, September 29th. In an appearance on ABC News this week, Schiff echoed Pelosi's message. He also said he expected the Intelligence Committee to hear from the whistleblower very soon, pending a security clearance from Acting Director of National Intelligence, Joseph McGuire. In the Huffington Post, Schiff told ABC's this week that he expects the whistleblower to appear before this committee very soon. In the New York Post, quote, we'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In the Washington Times, quote, that whistleblower will be allowed to come in. These are all quotes from Chairman Adam Schiff. In Talking Points memo, the question was posed 
Actually, this was by George Stephanopoulos. Have you reached an agreement yet with the whistleblower and his or her attorneys about coming before the committee and providing the information firsthand? Quote, yes, we have, Schiff responded. And as DNI McGuire promised during the hearing, that whistleblower will be allowed to come in and come in without a minder from the Justice Department or from the White House to tell the whistleblower what they can and cannot say. We'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In Daily Coast, we're ready to hear from the whistleblower as soon as that is done. And we'll keep obviously riding shotgun to make sure that the acting director doesn't delay in that clearance process. In CNBC, we'll get the unfiltered testimony of that whistleblower. In Market Watch, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff said Sunday that an agreement has been reached under which the whistleblower will testify before the committee very soon. I can keep going, but again, the chairman refused to uh, allow us to put these into the record with unanimous consent. So I've read those out, and as we know, it is important to protect whistleblowers from retaliation and from firing, and we want to make sure whistleblowers are able to come forward. But in this case, the fact that we are getting criticized by Chairman Adam Schiff for statements that he himself made early on in this process shows the duplicity and just the abuse of power that we are continuing to see. And there's more and more and more that Adam Schiff is guilty of. He is obviously a senior member of um, this January 6th committee. And at the very beginning of it, he was found, he presented some quote-unquote evidence. He told the committee, these are facts. Now remember this, in this committee, no Republican can enter in any piece of evidence no Republican, any, any uh, witness that comes before the committee, no Republican can cross-examine any of the testimony of these witnesses that are called by the Democrats. And no Republican can have access to any of the evidence. That doesn't sound like something that happens in the United States, does it? It doesn't to me. Adam Schiff, one of the most evil people I've ever watched in government. And he pretty much runs the gambit without ever being held accountable. I want to take you back. This, we've talked about it before, a morning show of Russian announcers, comedians. In the very beginning of this Russia, 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 Trump collusion, Russia hoax that Adam Schiff put out there and perpetrated and cost the American people 30, 40, 50 million dollars in the Mueller investigation, I just want you to listen to what Adam Schiff made himself part of when these Russians got him on the phone to talk about Donald Trump's specific actions of which they had evidence, pictures, evidence that they were going to make available to Adam Schiff so he could use that as more weapons for the Russia collusion story. Listen to this back and forth. Hi. All right. I'm going to put Mr. Schiff on the phone. And then I guess, are you going to transfer him to Mr. Parubi? Yes, of course. Great. Thank you. Hi. How are you? Hello, Mr. Schiff. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you, Chairman. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you. I know that you work for investigation regarding Trump and Russian government. Yes. We know some important information about that. Uh, and that uh, that uh, is documented as well in materials you want to provide to us? Yes. Could I explain you where we are? Yes, of course. But, you know, again, I would just caution that uh, 
uh, our Russian friends may be listening to the conversation, so I wouldn't share anything over the phone that you don't want them to hear. No, I don't think that it will impact on our investigation. Yes. Well, well please, go ahead then. In November 2013, Mr. Trump visited Moscow. He visited uh, competition Miss Universe, and there he met uh, with Russian journalist and celebrity Ksenia Sobchak. I'm sorry, can you explain that again? While he was in Moscow in November 2013, he met with a, a journalist and, and... Well, she's poor journalist. But anyway, uh, she became famous because of uh, Putin is her godfather. Okay, Putin is godfather. Okay. She also known as a person who provided uh, uh, girls for escort for oligarchs. And she met with Trump and she brought him one hour Russian girl, celebrity Olga Buzova, who also known as a person with a strange reputation. Olga, and, and how do you spell her name? Olga Buzova. Buzova. Um, so yes. Olga Buzova is a uh, friend of the, uh, the reporter Sovchek? Yes, she's a friend of reporter and I think the special agent of Russian Secret Service, Ksenia Sovchak. Um, that Sovchak is or Olga is? No, Sovchak is Ksenia. Okay, and so Buzova met with Trump uh, in in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe uh, yes. pageant. Absolutely, and she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay, and, and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and, uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI, uh, would they corroborate this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. And uh, we also know who was a mediator between Trump and Russian government, who met with uh, ex-advisor of Trump, uh, Mr. Flynn. It was the Russian singer, very famous singer, Arkady Ukupnik, who met with Mr. Flynn on uh, Brighton Beach in Brooklyn, in a special uh, Russian cafe, Langeron. What's the name of the cafe? Uh, uh, Langeron. Langeron? Yes, it's on the Brighton Beach. Okay, and it's uh, a special. When, when it's a Russian district in uh, Brooklyn. And do you know what was discussed? They discussed many things, but the most interesting thing is they use a special. They use the special password uh, before before their meetings. When they met each other, they said, "Weather is good on Deribasovska." Weather. It rains. Is good. Yeah. In where? Weather is good on Deribasovska. There is a name of a street in Odessa. 
did you did you hear? Yes, I did. Uh, so it's a street in Odessa. Uh, yes. And the, the code word is weather is good on Zerubasta. Zerubasovskaya. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'll have my staff follow up to get spellings and and more details on. Yes. That. And the second part of their password was uh, it rains again on Brighton Beach. It rains again on Brighton Beach. Yes. On that meeting, Ukupnik told Flynn that uh, all those compromising materials will never be released if uh, Trump will cancel all Russian sanctions. Okay. Um, well, obviously, we would uh, welcome a chance to get copies of those recordings. Um, so we will try to work with the FBI to figure out, uh, along with your staff, how we can obtain copies of those. Of course, we will provide you all our copies of all our materials, but I also would like to let you know that Sobchak and Buzova will pretty soon visit our country, and we could read them and deliver them to your embassy, and you also could, we also could extradite them to your country, and you can put them to your special jail, Guantanamo. Well, I'll be in touch with the FBI about this, and uh, and we'll make arrangements with your staff. I think it probably would be best to provide uh, these materials uh, to uh, both our committee and to the FBI. Um, and so we'll make arrangements uh, uh, between my staff and yours uh, on how to facilitate that. And uh, we'll also obviously net let, let the FBI know about uh, Buseva and Sovchek's planned travel to Ukraine. I also advise you to check all Sobchak's uh, visits in the U.S. because she were she was in U in the U.S. very often, and so just to check what she did there actually. And I also would like to look at uh, Russian cafe in Bri on Brighton Beach, Langeron, and especially on their head of Russian mafia, Uncle Misha. Uncle Misha, and yes. he's in Brighton Beach. Yes, he's head of uh, Russian mafia, and he's located on uh, re on that uh, restaurant on uh, Brighton Beach. Okay. I just want to advise you just to look at them, please. Alrighty. Uh, good. This is uh, very helpful. I appreciate it. Anything else you wanted to uh, to add today? Well, I hope that my information will will be useful for you and your committee, and I also would like to advise you when you or your colleagues will meet Mr. Trump, I advise you to tell him uh, first part of the password on the weather is good on Derbasovska and look how his uh, face will change the color. I'm going to stop there. It's just insane that somebody with so much power in Congress, like Congressman Adam Schiff, so much power there, could even consider contemplating something that is obviously such a scam. In fact, if Adam Schiff was even if Adam Schiff was even interested in doing the right thing in that regard, what would he have done at the very beginning of it? He would have he would have said, "Gentlemen, I need to get someone an authority on the phone with us here." and put him on hold and call the FBI and got somebody there on the line, or if he couldn't do that, made it be a later phone call in which he could get somebody at the FBI. No, that's not what Schiff did. What did he do? He looked at that and he saw, aha, 
Here's an opportunity for me to get Donald Trump. And so I'm going to jump out there and I'm going to take this on myself and I'll do what I always do and do it the best. I'll go to the American people. I'll go after Trump. I'll try him in the court of public opinion. That's what Adam Schiff, that's all he does. That's what he is all about. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Silence. (laughs) Silence. Where did the bump go? I don't know, folks. It's Monday. Things are happening on Monday. Somebody is watching and listening and making bad things happen here. (laughs) Incidentally, got a note from the West Coast just minutes ago. You probably heard, or it was rumored, Musk was going to countersue Twitter. He did that. He sued him for fraud on Friday, and he has said that he is going to go ahead and close the purchase, but listen what the contention is and what has to happen. When Twitter shows the actual subscriber numbers, the real subscribers, and that he's not going to pay for those bots who are the fake created Twitter holders that they use when they go out there and try to sell advertising, they inflate their numbers, which is fraud, by the way. Let me make a prediction for you. Elon Musk is not going to buy Twitter. What he's going to do, he's going to destroy Twitter because the American public are going to find out that a huge portion of what Twitter feeds us 
and the perception that's out there about how big they are and how many hundreds of millions of people are Twitterers, we're going to find out that's fake. It's not true at all. I promise you. That's what's about to happen. So what about illegal immigration? Oh, you're going to love this one. President Biden's border chief. Who would that be? Uh, well, besides Alejandro Mayorkas, there are a couple of minions below him. They have opened a new route for global migrants who are looking for jobs and housing here in the U.S. This faster route than coming across the mainland and all up through Central America and Mexico to get to the southern border, this new route uses boats to carry roughly 1,500 migrants every day from ports in Colombia around the deadly Darien Gap Trail and up to ports in Panama. That's according to Todd Benzman, who's a former intelligence official who now works with the CIS, Center for Immigration Studies. Bandits, floods, exhaustion, and accidents have killed thousands of global migrants on the Darien Gap Trail as they walk through Panama's jungles and mountains to get towards Biden's welcome. Now, this is according to Todd Benzman. But this new boat and bus route will not prevent the death of many migrants as they're coming up from South America, also the Caribbean, Africa, South Asia, and the Middle East to the United States. Here's what Benzman said. The best way to save lives is to persuade would-be economic migrants to stay at or near home, he said. You can pretty much guarantee you're saving lives and victimization if they're staying home or staying in safer countries near their home countries. Biden's deputies, led by Border Chief Alejandro Mayorkas, they are opening up new routes to help more of those wishing to flee to the U.S., even for unidentifiable migrants who hide their real identities. Here's what he said. Their thesis is if you build a bridge for migrants and make it really nice so that everybody can come, that's really the only way to save lives. They argue that border enforcement causes migrants to do dangerous things. So let's not have any border enforcement. Well, we all know that's just an untenable position to most Americans, even liberal Americans, to just have no enforcement. Mayorkas is preaching this. He is saying, let's just open the borders. So once these migrants are delivered to small ports further along Panama's Caribbean coast, government-funded buses take them to towns in Panama. Many of these migrants rely on aid stations that are run by progressive groups, usually funded by the United Nations and even our government, as they travel north through Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico. If they happen to get to the border, the vast majority of Darien Gap migrants are welcomed by Mayorkas' deputies. Then they release them to U.S. employers who are eager to hire the desperate migrants instead of hiring better paid Americans. So how did all this begin? Listen to this. This brand new route, it opened up 
after Mayorkas visited this section of Panama, this very infamous and dangerous section called the Darien Gap. Mayorkas went back there in April. The new boat and bus route, it bypasses the worst sections of the Darien Gap, where hundreds of thousands of migrants, including many women and kids, have been killed as they try to reach here. The U.S., the prize dangled by Mayorkas and other progressives. Prior to Biden, the majority of people who came to the Darien Gap under 10,000 or so a year were young single men, strong and healthy young single men. When Biden entered office, he started exempting families with young kids from Title 42 and pregnant women and unaccompanied minors. So for the first time in the history of the Darien Gap, the majority of those who started coming through were women, unaccompanied minors, and families dragging little kids along. Those people then became prey to all of the dangers that adult, young, single, strong men could get through. Densman said this, I've, I've taken many reports myself of dead pregnant women, of rotting corpses on the side of the trail. I interviewed a group of Senegalese migrants earlier this year in Tapachula, Mexico, when I was down there. I asked them about the trip. They were all incredibly upset still. It only happened a week or two earlier. They came as a group of childhood friends and as young adults, they said, let's go on this grand adventure and go through the Darien Gap. And on the Panamanian side, some bandits got to them and killed one of them. They showed me video on their phones. The bandit shot the guy in the back with a shotgun, killed him on the spot, and they're all trying to save him on the video. They were still just incredibly anxious and worked up over this. I asked them, would you guys have all come had you not heard that Biden would let you over the border? And they said, no, absolutely, we wouldn't have come. We came because we knew we could get in under this president. Well, so your friend would be alive today if President Biden had not been elected? And they said, yep, he'd be alive. The people who used this route last year were mainly from Haiti, Cuba, Bangladesh, India, Burkina Faso. Have you heard of that country? Sierra Leone, Nepal, Ghana, Senegal, as well as Venezuela and Colombia. During 2021, the predominant presence of people of Haitian origin was observed, reached about 75% of the total number of people in transit through Panama. The big majority of Haitians correspond to secondary movements and come mainly from countries like Chile and Brazil where they had temporarily lived. Doctors Without Borders reported in August last year the murderous results of Mayorkas's lure. I saw at least 10 dead bodies in the jungle. That's recalled by a 19-year-old named Angel. But the worst is the people who get left behind, people who cannot climb the mountains or who slip in the rain and mud. It's a route where nobody waits. You see people sitting down injured, who might have been there for days, and they're waiting to die. This is a nightmare with a thousand one demons. That's 40-year-old guy named Oscar, who is from Colombia, but was living in Bolivia. I saw a child get dragged down the river when he let go of his parents' hands. I've seen dead bodies, drowned, four of them. 
I've smelled corpses decomposing in a ravine. This off-the-books migration route has a manager. His name, Alejandro Mayorkas. Mayorkas is a pro-migration zealot who's using federal money, yours and mine, to operate new migration routes into U.S. jobs and homes, even though Congress has repeatedly rejected his demands for more legal migration. This deadly operation is conducted in tacit cooperation. He's coordinating this, folks, with coyotes and cartels. Even while Mayorkas and his allies also try to grab market share from the cartels. The establishment U.S. media, they've whitewashed Biden's deadly invite to the world's poor. In October of 21, for example, the pro-migration New York Times delicately reported it this way, quote, in the first nine months of this year, Panamanian officials say an estimated 95,000 migrants, most of whom are Haitian, attempted the passage on their way to the United States. They made the journey in shorts and flip-flops, their possessions stuffed in plastic bags, their babies in arms, their children by the hand. It's uncertain how many made it and how many didn't. And yet tens of thousands more are gathered in Colombia, eager for their turn to try. But the evidence out there, folks, strongly suggests that thousands of migrants have been killed by the progressive welcome offered by Biden, Mayorkas, and their fellow progressives. Benzman said, I've talked to journalists who live in the area or who spent a lot of months in the area who estimate it's between 5% and as high as 10% of everyone who came through that year. So if 130,000 came through in 2021, and they're having another banner year this year, so you can guess 5,000 to 10,000 to 15,000 people died in 2021 going through that area. Republican politicians are learning to criticize Biden and his deputies for the cruelty of their extraction migration, which is what this is called, the extraction migration economic policy. We've created a process for people to come here legally. That's Marco Rubio from Florida. But Biden and his deputies are inviting people to enter illegally at enormous danger to Americans and to migrants. Rubio said there's nothing compassionate about luring people into a trip where rapists and murderers and the worst human beings on the planet get their clutches into them and abuse them and their children on women traveling alone. It's a horrifying experience. There is nothing compassionate about it. Senator Todd Young, a Republican from Indiana, said this is a human catastrophe. I'm persuaded this administration is not going to do anything about it, this humanitarian situation, until we make it hurt. Since at least 1990, the Washington, D.C. establishment has extracted tens of millions of legal and illegal migrants, add to that temporary visa workers, 
all of these people from poor countries to serve here as workers, managers, consumers, renters for various U.S. investors and CEOs. This half-hidden federal economic policy of extraction migration has tilted the free market toward investors and employers. Follow the money, folks. That's what I tell you all the time here. If you ever got a question about anything going on this government is doing, follow the money. Our inflationary policy makes it difficult for ordinary Americans to get married, advance in careers, raise families, or buy homes. Extraction migration has also slowed innovation, has shrunk our productivity, partly because it allows employers to boost their stock prices. How do you do that? You make more money. How do you make more money? You use cheap, stoop labor instead of productivity-boosting technology. This migration undermines employees' workplace rights. It widens the regional wealth gaps between the Democrats' big coastal states and the Republicans' heartland and southern states. This flood of cheap labor tilts the economy towards low-productivity jobs, has shoved at least 10 million American men out of the labor force. An economy built on extraction migration also drains Americans' political clout over the elites in government, alienates young people, radicalizes Americans' democratic civic culture because it allows wealthy elites to simply ignore despairing Americans at the bottom of society. This economic policy is backed by progressives who want to transform our country from a society governed by European origin civic culture into a progressive-directed empire of competitive, resentful identity groups. We're trying to become the first multiracial, multi-ethnic superpower of the world. That's from Representative Roy Kincana, Democrat of California, speaking to the New York Times in March of this year. It'll be an extraordinary achievement. We will ultimately triumph. It's all about that. It's about this new society, this world government organization that they want a group of very elite, very powerful people. And of course, all these people that feel like this is where we need to go, they've been promised, you're going to be part of what's going on up at the top. And of course, what will probably happen, they won't be involved at what's going on up at the top and paying the price poor people, people from around the globe that they're sold this false story. If you just get here, you're going to get to enter the American dream. Welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? I'm here for the most wanted. Sorry, sir. Can you repeat that? The gang known as the Western Whopper. Ah, you mean our new Texas barbecue beef bacon and sweet Carolina Whoppers, right? Yes, I need them now. Try the new Texas barbecue beef bacon or our tasty honey mustard sauce on our sweet Carolina Whoppers at your nearest BK today. Burger King, have it your way. How to improve your dining room. By the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls, 
Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table? Matching chairs? Bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So I just had a new idea for our song about... Oh, when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, statement's coming at ya, statement's coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu future. In a world of change, one thing remains constant. The bedrock of truth. Welcome to the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org Hey, listen. Before we get to the end of the show today, we got more to talk about. Don't go away yet. I want to thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Truthnewsnet.org and TNN Live. You're making and helping us make a major impact on people around the world, people that are getting real information, not paying a dime for it, but they're spending time, investing time, just as you are, to hear these things that we dig out. We do this as a calling. This is not a job. It's not a gig. It's not about going and making a paycheck because nobody, (laughs) nobody here at Truth News Network makes a paycheck from working being a part of Truth News Network. Everybody does it as a commitment to finding the facts and helping all of you out there to be able to find the facts. And I want to thank you for allowing us to be part of what you're doing. And we don't take for granted that you, uh, many of you spend two hours daily, or at least a great part of two hours every day, listening to the show, reading our articles that are published. Some are Uh, written by uh, staff here at Truth News Network. We have some great contributing writers that are here with us. Dr. Robert McCullough, he wrote the story that we posted today at Truth News Network. You need to check them all out. But thank you for being here and being part of it. Before we got away, I wanted to tell you something. What's going on in New York City? You know, they're really having some trouble now. Yeah, they're getting migrants from Texas there. Well, as temperatures in the Big Apple hit a 100-degree mark last week, hovered in the high 90s on Friday, the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene there released a heat advisory in which residents were warned about the dangers of, listen to this, structural racism. That's right, folks. I thought God controlled our environment, Mother Nature, whatever you want to call it. But now, according to the New York City Department of Health, 
It's because of structural racism. Where did they get that? People of color don't have the money to have air conditioning. And therefore, people that have money, oh my goodness, people that have money are causing structural racism in New York City. I don't get it. Maybe you can figure it out. I think basically nobody wants to take responsibility for anything and they want to blame everybody else or somebody else for nature of all things. You guys have a great Monday. Back tomorrow morning at TNN Live. Oscars don't be low.